welcome to cii podcasts hello and welcome to yet another episode of cii podcasts i am vivian fernandez on the occasion of international women's day we are discussing women's empowerment shaping an equal future women across the world want to realize their potential in conditions of equal opportunity free from stigmas and stereotypes though they have come a long way in india they still have a long way to go what are the opportunities they have and the constraints they face to discuss this i am pleased to welcome to this podcast my former colleague at india today ms kaveri bamzai kaveri was also editor of india today magazine she is an independent journalist with more than 30 years of experience apart from india today she has worked at the indian express and the times of india she is also an author and recipient of the chevening scholarship She has spoken on cinema, gender and youth on various media platforms and has been a TEDx speaker. Kaveri is also a member of the steering committee of CII Foundation Women Exemplar program. Kaveri welcome, thanks for joining. Thank you so much Vivian and it's good to be reunited with a former colleague. Good and though I'm sitting across the table actually. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's start with your work at uh, CII Foundation for uh, Women Exemplars it has been in existence since 2005 uh, and it recognizes grassroots uh, level women who have contributed against the odds how have you tried to make a difference uh my frankly i have uh, had very little role to play in making the difference the difference is being made by these women who are quite remarkable vivian you know when you read the stories and these are just the winners uh, you should see some of the people who don't make it i mean even they are so inspiring uh you know there are people who've uh, fought uh, uh, you know child marriage they fought being widowed when they were young um they fought absolute poverty uh they have fought the most uh, uh, you know circumstances which have which would have cowed down even the strongest of us and what has struck me and i've met so many of them is that they they seem to just brush it off as if it's just a fact of life you know that struggle is a fact of life and um, they do it with so much grace and dignity that they really do inspire me so really just uh, just being in their company sometimes is so uh, so much like a shot in the arm that uh, i wonder you know we in our privileged urban existence you know we whine all the time about how little we have and how much we have to do when you see some of these women and the spirit of solidarity you know which is something which i feel the women exemplar program has been able to exemplify in the best way possible when you see them all together and that's one thing that the exemplar program does very well they have a system of mentorship you know so uh, these um, most of these women come to uh, delhi <clears throat> a lot of the ci foundation women go to uh, their uh, uh, you know their places of work talk to them and there's a sense of solidarity there's a sense of uh, wanting to improve uh, themselves there's a sense of wanting to learn all the time so that is what i find heartening and i feel that uh, uh, you know when you hear of uh, um, programs like the self help groups or the anganwadis you know it just remains on paper to you but when you see these women who are actually part of them and most of these women are for instance chandrika ben panwar you know um uh, who was one of the exemplars she's from gujarat most of these women are the women who've actually brought these sgs together 
actually made villages come alive and that is the most inspiring thing to me really mm-hmm. so while these women have the drive and the energy and the kind of uh, gumption at uh, the cii foundation women exemplar program do you provide a kind of structured uh, setup for absolutely. training them absolutely that's what i said so this whole uh, idea of mentorship you know it's very important because it's you know a lot of there are a lot of awards uh, uh, these days you know especially around women's day suddenly everyone wakes up and uh, wants to recognize nari shakti or you know uh, women entrepreneurs or women change makers what this program does and i think this is what is distinctive about it is that it's it it is sustainable and it is it perseveres with these women so it doesn't just award them it wants to upskill them it wants them to learn uh, from uh, others it wants them to learn from uh, each other so that sense of community that it has managed to build i think that is what is uh, quite remarkable and some of them like mana manlekar who's um uh, you know uses uh, a sport actually um, uses uh, martial arts as a way of uh, uh, empowerment uh, they've become like um, uh, like pipe pipers you know in their particular region so they have actually uh, uh, you don't just see them as one individual change maker they become forces of change in their areas which is what i find good and that is precisely because of the way it's structured that they don't just award them and forget it they um award them they uh, stay with them they uh, create a network for them uh, they uh, constantly up uh, um upskill them as the new term is so that is quite distinctive so at what stage do you step in uh, in the sense that do you step in at an incipient stage or do you recognize the people who have already been recognized that's again a very interesting question because that's always been a big debate within the jury that do you then you know then uh, you don't deepen and widen the pool right because there are a lot of awards now and you know um, a lot of women do get recognized so our emphasis is always to look at people who have not been recognized so far they are the ones who need you most and it could be anything i mean there are people who uh, for instance have uh, 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 have a skill of uh, deepening and widening ponds in chatis in jharkhand for instance or there's a woman who runs a leather uh, um, musical instrument factory uh, and also is a uh, a change maker in digital inclusion on the side you know so now these are women who would have otherwise not been heard of seen of they really make the invisible visible and i think that is what is unusual about it that they go they make sure they do enough due diligence uh, um uh, internally and sometimes through external agencies to make sure that the people they are awarding are those who have not been recognized so far and that is what is again a very good thing about it cover you mentioned earlier on about anganwadi workers and uh, the auxiliary nurse midwives or ashas yeah now uh, these programs have given uh, women who earlier would not have ventured out of their homes an occasion to come out of their homes and it also given them confidence yeah uh, you know but um, there is very little upward mobility because you know they they'll end up being anganwadi workers or right. auxiliary nurse midwives for their entire lives 
there is no upward mobility but that is, is yeah but even that is what uh, uh, this program does it makes sure that you know okay so you have a self help group it makes sure that you're able to then inspire other self help group leaders create more so that is the beauty of this program that it is a it has a multiplier effect and not just through the fact that uh, you know uh, it it awards these women and therefore makes them recognizable and visible in the community but it actually does groundwork to make sure that uh, you know one self help group leader one anganwadi worker who's recognized can then lead to a bigger change within the district you know so from one village it goes to the district from the district to the state so that is how it has been designed it's been designed in such a way to have a multiplier effect and that is what the whole mentorship uh, program does mm-hmm. um see this program picks up women who have become leaders against the odds yeah Now, over the years, we have seen a government doing a lot. For example, trying to improve the sex ratio at birth, educating the girl child, getting women out of homes into workplaces, ensuring their safety, giving them mobility with the bicycle, with bicycles, and so on. So, can you say that over the years, the odds against disadvantaged women have actually become less adverse? yeah but you know then uh, when you have uh, a crisis like the pandemic vivian you know you go <laughs> so many steps you take so many steps backwards you know you've seen the decline in uh, the uh, women in the workforce you know uh, uh, women are the first to lose their jobs unfortunately whenever there's a crisis they're seen as the most dispensable possibly also because they're least paid you know when or, or definitely less paid than uh, the the men so that is where one has to be particularly sensitive you know that uh, um and and also the women exemplar uh, awards essentially do uh, deal with women in the informal sector you know so these are not even recognized professions these things are very important in understanding the economic contribution of women to society because as they are declining in the workforce the sense is that you know women are retreating into their homes but they may not necessarily be doing that they may be retreating into their homes but they may also be um doing you know make uh, running a factory on the side a small factory or they may also be helping in the village uh, self help group so so there are ways that they are working to help society now programs like this are very important i feel because they're able to tap into that informal world as well so while we acknowledge that yes um uh, women are disadvantaged as you said we also have to acknowledge the changes and the empowerment that has come even if it may not be visible you look at the numbers and it scares you sometimes mm-hmm. but especially i i was you know and this is a question i put to a lot of economists as well you know why why has there been this decline in uh, women in the workforce it is very worrying but then there are ways that women are absorbed it's not always that they retreat into their homes and never come out again you know there are ways you, that you have touched a very important point and that is about the labor participation rate of women yeah and india has one of the lowest ratios in exactly. the world exactly for example i mean why should 50% of the workforce not be utilized you know it makes no, for example sense. in the you know um in the september december quarter according to cmi which uh, monitors employment figures 
the labor participation rate of women was 10% and labor participation uh, rate means the number of women who are employed and also the number of women of working age who are seeking employment exactly so it's about 10% for women and for men it's about 67% and that may be also because there are not enough jobs going going around and when there are not enough jobs what happens is uh, the few fewer jobs that are available the not, men claim the, the men, men claim exactly. that exactly but vivian that's also because the way we calculate our economic contribution and that of course is a much wider and bigger debate and that will go on forever but for instance this image that one has of the farmer as a man it's not true 65% of the indian farmer according to beena agarwal and uh, economists like that whom i respect um and i think they know what they're talking about 65% of the farmers in india are actually women you know most of the paddy Uh, cultivation is done by women so we have this notion um that you know the farmer is a male farmer and you know that the women the women just go to the fields and uh, get, you know give the lunch dabba or whatever but there's a lot of uh, labor uh, women's labor that goes unaccounted not just in the home but in the field as well but i hope we will come uh, at some point where we can acknowledge all these And not just that, Vivian. Look at the kind of work they do in dairy farming. Look at the kind of work they do in uh, other household, uh, 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 you know, other household productions. You know, these things are just not acknowledged. That is true. Uh, now, Kaveri, uh, we have had the seventy-third amendment, which provides at least provides for at least a third of panchayati raj institutional representatives to right. be women. Yeah. Okay. and according to official figures as of september 2020 of 3.19 million panchayati raj institution representatives about 45% or 1.45 million were women now my point i'm asking you is that what kind of a difference has this made you know when you have women sarpanches women members of panchayati <coughs> raj institution does it make a difference does it have a kind of demonstration effect on other women of course I mean, given the fact also that there are a lot of women who are fronting for their husbands. Yeah. But leaving aside that, has this amendment made a lot of difference in your view? Absolutely. You know that whole idea that Panchi, you know the the uh, that uh, the uh, Sarpanch was actually the the woman Sarpanch was just a front for the uh, uh, the male Sarpanch. It may have been so in the first generation. Increasingly, I find among the younger women, and I've seen some amazing sarpanches. I mean, women sarpanches from Madhya Pradesh, from Rajasthan. Not just the ones who are celebrated, but others. Uh, not just the ones who are uh, town and city educated. Women who are from the villages and who stayed in the villages. The second, third generation is amazing. You know. and they are the ones they are not going to listen to any man in their uh, home you know father brother nothing uh, i met one sarpanch in uh, madhya pradesh who uh, used to carry a gun in her back pocket <laughs> that was like for me an aha moment and she said do you want to see my gun i said yeah and she just casually took it out of her back pocket and she said you know when i travel at night in my village i needed you know because uh, i have to be alert i said okay <laughs> so cool right 
I mean, I hope it was a licensed uh, weapon. <laughs> yes, I did. I did ask. I did want to get into trouble. But um, uh, that's on a lighter note. But truly, there, you know, we tend to, of course, uh, dwell upon all the woes and all the troubles that India has. Of course, it has. We all know that. But um, there's a lot to rejoice uh, as well. There's a lot to celebrate and. things like women exemplar oh, you know they come once in a year they celebrate these women they celebrate even the women who don't win the nominees you cannot imagine the kind of boost it gives them the kind of encouragement it gives them it is just so it you know i anyway i'm a very emotional person when i meet them i sort of start crying but it really their stories are so heartbreaking sometimes and they just you know walk around with a smile but apart from this uh, reward from award function yeah. do you have an engagement through the year yeah that's what i said we do these workshops throughout the year where uh, the ci foundation uh, women uh, you know have these workshops where they tell them how to sell how to market themselves how to network you know simple things like when do you when do you um, take out a card and give it to the person that you need do you take it out at the beginning of the meeting do you take it out at the end of the meeting how do you introduce yourself how do you get your point across that you want funding for your uh, organization or for your group within 5 minutes how to keep that person's attention you know they go into real details like that do you also train them in uh, securing their rights of course uh, do you work with for example movements like the mazdoor shakti oh yes yes Ma- sorry mazdoor kisan shakti sangathan yeah they're all all the all the programs that you read about uh at the state or the national level which to us remain on paper for these women these are realities and they will tell you look this is what is missing from this program this is i need to go to this district collector then i need to go to this person down the line and how many times i need to go to him to get my rights they're fully aware of their rights our job is to tell them how exactly to get uh, get their work done with the least possible investment of time mm-hmm. you said you know about women about mm-hmm. raising mm-hmm. the contribution of women to the economy and i must cite uh, mckinsey global institute uh, report of 2018 it's called the power of parity mm-hmm. and it says that india's 2025 gdp could get a 770 billion dollar boost by advancing women's equality right but it said you know it it would require comprehensive change now you know comprehensive change in the rural areas would be difficult at this stage right, but at right. least in the corporate world you know with which you are also familiar yeah. do you see a big change happening more women being employed in the workforce more women at the director level at the board level and um, facilities schemes to get women who drop out of work because of motherhood to come back and rejoin and resume their post there are a lot of good uh, initiatives there vivian i mean the tata and some groups are particularly enlightened they have very interesting programs you know second chance programs uh, down the line not just the big groups like hul and tata but even the smaller groups say like a perfetti you know a small a fairly small group in india they have a lot of programs which encourage women to return to the workforce after marriage and motherhood but um i feel that this is an area that requires a lot of work when we talk about uh, the um, empowerment of women we tend to only look at the public and 
um, uh, a public sphere, which is the government policy, which on paper are excellent. I mean, if you look at six-month maternity leave, for instance, even a progressive nation like the United uh, United States doesn't have it. If you look at paternity leave, these are things that are enshrined in our legislation, which even some advanced countries don't have. But where I feel that um, we are lacking is in the private, in the corporate sector. So that partnership of the, I always call it the three P's, the public, the parivar and the private. So the public is fine. The parivars are changing increasingly. I think the men also realize that without women and the women also realize without women realize it long ago that without men, they cannot progress. The men have to realize that they're rec recognizing it, but it's the private sphere. I think the corporate sphere that needs the most push. And I feel that is where a lot more needs to be done. I think you have things in place. You have these quotas at the director level and all that. But I think in, in the private sector anyway, within the corporate governance is so poor. You know, look at say something like the NSC scandal. I mean, it shames me to say, uh, to cite it, but it's a fact of life. Men or women in power tend to behave alike, you know. Uh, so we cannot expect, uh, although I, I pride myself on the fact that women have a particular way of leading, which is different from men, it isn't always so. But that's also because the corporate governance rules in India are so poor and the enforcement is even worse. So I feel that is the weakest link in this whole triangle. And on top of that sits the woman. If you don't have a strong private, uh, um, a, a strong private corporate um, setup, you'll never have more women in the formal workforce. Mm -hmm. And that will be think, a problem. Yeah, but I think, you know, one should not always uh, want someone else to uh, do the policing and the enforcement yeah. companies must realize that exactly. when, they, when they have diversity right. uh, 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 you know when they have gender balance when they have people of different um, sexualities perspectives it will only help that. the company yeah because it will you know, help you avoid group think, group think bring in uh, new perspectives help in innovation and help that company remain ahead of its rivals in the marketplace so i find that a diversity equity and inclusion in some of the progressive companies is really high on their agenda and India India it particularly means you know correcting the gender balance but I also find that some of the companies generally tend to you know pay lip service and yeah. not go deep enough for example and you know, a, yeah and you know why that is Vivian I feel it's because it becomes a function of HR the minute the CEO of the company genuinely believes in diversity I think things change if you have a leader, say, uh, I, I've always looked up to her and I think she's uh, enforced this considerably wherever she goes. Say a leader like Naina Lal Kidwai. I mean, she genuinely believes in diversity of all kinds. Uh, now, when you have the CEO of the company, the chairperson of the company actually driving it rather than it becoming an HR function, that is where the problem occurs. The minute your CEO is a believer, man or woman, I think the company uh, does a better job. That is right. You know, you mentioned about companies not being serious about corporate governance. Yeah. And I must cite a Harvard Business Review study of February last year. Um, these four of the authors, they studied companies that had uh, at least one woman board member hmm. because of a SEBI requirement, a regulatory, right. regulatory requirement. They were supposed to have at least one 
women board member by April 2015. Right. By 2017, these um, researchers found that 80% of the companies that were previously non-compliant had become compliant and they had uh, appointed women board members, at least one or two. Right. But they also found that though many of these women were um, better educated, better qualified, and they were also uh, independent in the sense that they were not uh, related to the founder families. Yeah. They were not put into very key committees like yeah. remuneration or appointments committees, and they were given rather peripheral committees. So, you know, they were able to, these companies were able to sidestep a key governance reform. Yeah. So, I think, you know, earnestness is also very important. Right. And I think that comes from the CEO. I mean, I think if in if in every company the CEO becomes a believer, I think things will change. As long as it remains a function of HR, it will never get taken seriously. Because from my experience in an increasingly corporatized media world, and I think Vivian, you're also part of this. When we began, uh, the media industry was so uh, in. It was almost informal. I mean, we were all we knew we were run by. Um, uh, corporates but they were more individual led corporates and increasingly as HR came in you know HR practices came in we became more professional but I think we lost a lot of our um, you know um, informal spark that we have you know as journalists you can't have nine to five jobs we all know that so uh, I think there there I think uh, you can see the difference when when you have companies that are run by HR people and when you have companies run by uh, individuals who then uh, uh, sort of um, uh, illuminate the mission and you know send it downwards I think it becomes there's a difference clear difference speaking of your own experience in yeah. the media industry where you have spent uh, most 35 of your years this year Vivian yeah <laughs> Um, all your um, working life. Yeah. While there are a lot of women in media, yeah. do you think that they get um, leadership positions um, according to the according to the numbers in the workforce? No, I think that's one big problem that we've had. You've had very few women editors either in television, increasingly now in the digital space. Yes, but even there, you know, unless the woman has been the you know, founder of the startup, uh, she's very rarely the editor. I think this is one big problem that we've had. And of course, it's, you know, it's that whole gap. Uh, you want to call it the glass ceiling or whatever ceiling, but it happens in the middle, you know, in, in the middle of a woman's career when she's contemplating motherhood. You know, sometimes you have to step back and then you try and re-enter the workforce. It isn't as friendly to you as it used to be. So I think that uh, you, you've seen the, the number of women in uh, editorial positions is uh, not as, uh, as it should be. And this is surprising because this is one profession, if you remember, you've had women in leadership positions from the very beginning. You know, you had Himmat uh, during the emergency, which was run entirely by women. You had uh, also because the men were increasingly jailed, <laughs> I think, <laughs> but still. You know, you had the Katna Sharmas of the world being uh, in charge and during very tough times. Um, the uh, the TOI in Bombay had, uh, you know, senior editors like Dina Vakil. So, uh, I think something happened uh, post-liberalization where I think a lot of women went to television and made a home there. And very few really became CEOs or chair, chairpersons. 
and the women who were left behind in print very few actually got to the point of course you can always cite uh, kiran bedi's idea of you know that male network the male the boys club and the women were not part of that but it isn't just that it's a it's a variety of reasons i see a big change happening in the government while for example the proportion of women uh, in government overall is about 11% at the civil services level right things are changing for example i just read a report today which says that uh, in 2019 of the women candidates who um, uh, who did the interviews who reached the interview stage 14 and a half percent were recommended for ias Wow. For, for for the civil services, not just the IAS, for the civil services. Whereas the proportion of men who were similarly recommended was seven percent. Okay. But there's a big difference, of course, in the sense that only one thousand five hundred women uh, reached that interview stage, yeah. whereas in the case of men it was ten thousand. So right. the, the base is different. Yeah. But the more proportion of women were recommended for the civil services. So there's a big change, and also among the number who were ultimately absorbed. 220 out of 924 were women which is about 24% of the total wow. so unlike while in the government 11% are women right. at the civil services 24% are women so i right. think a big change is happening and that might change things as we go along right right uh, of course i think there's definitely down the line you can see more women so as i said there're so many paradoxes women in the a formal workforce numbers going down but women in the informal sector you know i mean and at an empirical as well as instinctual level you know that that number is high and it's growing you see the number of women enrolled in schools and colleges that is also growing the women who do well uh, in schools and colleges is also growing so there is there is you know we are uh, of course a society in transition and Uh, when you're a society and economy in transition you can't always see the end uh, line but you know where we are headed and i feel that we are headed in the right direction and there are a lot of things that we have been able to do with very little uh, uh, financial support that even the best nations in the world have been unable to do i think the anganwadi uh, 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 scheme has been able to do tremendously during the uh, during covid especially our self help groups things like that have really made a very deep change in society the mm-hmm. ci women exemplar i have to cite it again <laughs> you know things like that seem uh, you know small drops in the ocean but you know it is getting bigger mm-hmm. you have been in a cons- uh, you have been talking about self help groups quite a lot in this conversation and the microfinance sector is almost yeah. entirely women dominated exactly. because you have the joint liability groups which are entirely women yeah now the point i wanted to make was that because of this whole digital ecosystem that we yeah. now have which is one of the best in the world yeah where you have what is known as india stack that is you have the upi yeah uh, unified payment interface you have uh, aadhar um, identifiers right. you have the you know jandan bank accounts yeah. as well as the proliferation of uh, internet um, uh, telephony yeah because of which um or mobile um, uh, internet i mean yeah. because of which digital payments have been transformed and earlier on while you had joint liability groups it is now possible to do transaction based lending lending based on cash flows right 
do you think that that is going to give a big boost to small enterprises micro enterprises and particularly enterprises of women absolutely we've seen it in the women example we have this marvelous woman i was talking about who uh, who's um, who runs this leather instruments factory and uh, her her husband used to run a leather uh, uh, footwear company uh, uh, basically a small factory and that is now defunct her factory is doing very well on the side she uh, uh, is a digital educator she's uh, you know created uh, a whole network of uh, digitally uh, savvy women around her so these are things that we've seen and we've acknowledged and we know the difference uh, it can make and you know i i want to also cite uh, i don't know if you saw writing with fire you know this uh, new documentary which has been nominated for oscars which is uh, essentially on khabar leheria the a uh, women's group that runs um, this uh, digital newspaper in uh, bundelkhand again they're using their smartphones as uh, not a financial in- financial inclusion um, uh, tool but as a social inclusion to- uh, uh, tool and they're able to go to places and areas where you know telling stories that uh, otherwise would not have been heard and they're demanding from governments you know from local governments from councillors why is this road not been built why is this toilet why does this toilet not have water you know local issues and because now earlier they were in print so they had very few women readers because of literacy being lower in that area now since they've gone digital and are on youtube they have millions of women followers you know so you see so many changes happening in social inclusion financial inclusion Uh, and really the it's really the smartphone that has enabled a lot of that to happen mm-hmm. you see aspirations rising confidence Absolutely. levels rising Aspir- and aspirations being met also not just rising but also being fulfilled in some cases <clears throat> any uh, lasting last comments you want to make kaveri no just that i feel that um, uh, vivin when you talk of uh, programs uh, like this uh, i feel that there's a sense of uh, deja vu a lot of people think okay one more uh, uh, one more program that's aimed at recognizing women okay so what's new it always you know every march <laughs> this kind of thing happens i want to emphasize the profound change that is happening in in uh, this country which i feel sometimes we are very cynical uh, as a nation and sometimes we don't acknowledge enough and i feel there's so much profound change that's happening with mothers leading daughters with fathers leading daughters and really i i am a great believer that the change is going to come from uh, the women you know uh, uh, uh and uh, they're the ones who are really going to lead us into a future which is much and uh, you know the point you made that diversity shouldn't only be about gender they're very conscious of that you know what is now called intersection you know they're aware that uh, gender uh, sensitivity has to come with caste sensitivity class sensitivity uh, racial sensitivity a whole lot of other marginal communities they know that so you have such fine dalit women uh, uh, activists you have such fine um, queer uh, women activists so a lot of those intersections are already happening so uh, i think perhaps the next generation of leaders of women leaders especially will be far more aware of this and hopefully the men will catch up 
<laughs> it was good talking to you, Kaveri. A very engaging conversation, and all power to you and to the CII Foundation. Thank Women you. I learned so much. I learned so much from you, Vivian. You're like a statistic machine. Amazing data. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It really helps. Occupational hazard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation.